0: It's not, it's, yeah, it's fixed, right? We didn't fix your swing, right. we fixed how you see things. And mm-hmm. and it took it took her probably a good three years to finally get that to sink in.
1: Wow. And welcome back to another Part Train. I'm one of your co-hosts, seven Singer. We got Mr. Matt Cermak here. We just had a lot of fun yeah. on that interview.
2: What's up, guys? Lots of fun, Ev.
1: That like was, enjoy,
2: we like to enjoy the ride, right?
1: I mean, we literally enjoyed the ride on that one. In case you guys are new to the par train, welcome. When you're on the par train, golf, the hardest game in the world, feels easy, right? you just just in pars. You don't know how you're doing it. It's easy stuff. But our mission is to understand why and figure out how we can apply these lessons on and off the course to make the hard stuff seem easy and help you get better. We mm-hmm. feature interviews from PGA Tour Pros, best-selling authors, CEOs. Coaches like James Hong today and more. You'll get the motivation to keep chugging and finally learn how to enjoy the ride. Before we get to the intro, a uh, quick word from our friends at Roback. Oh, uh, I'm going to read a quick review from someone that bought a polo. They said, this is my fourth Roback shirt. They have become my go-to performance polo Appro- approaching go-to casual shirt. So it's is go-to casual as much as on the course. The fabric is great, does not look or feel like tipp- typical performance material. I really like the fit too. This other guy says great shirt's perfect fit and versatile for all occasions. That's really what everyone says. It's like best fit, super comfortable and you can wear it anywhere.
2: I couldn't agree more with those reviews. What Robec does so well with the polos is they bridge the gap with like kind of this traditional preppy golf but also at, like, at leisure, mm-hmm. right? So it, it works for the office. It works on the course. It works when you're just hanging out with your buddies, right? I mean, because yeah. it's not too like Ralph Lauren, you know, but it's not too like Under Armour, right? right. It's right in the middle there. Yeah, it, it's and it, perfect. And it fits like a charm.
1: Yep. So, guys, hit the link in our show notes. It's also always linked on our social pages at the part train. Give us a follow if you're not. We oh. just had an awesome giveaway. We got a new giveaway coming soon. Lots
2: of, lots of giveaways.
1: Uh, and um, hit that link and you'll get 15% off your first order with Roback. No need to put a promo code in. It'll show up in your cart. Um, and hey, guys, if you've already used it, use that link um, so we can still see that you're buying and and get yourself the gear that you deserve. Right. Yes. We're always promoting them on our social accounts if they've got a sale or something, but they really are the best. And so um get 15% off your first order it doesn't hurt okay james hong this guy to give you guys a little context um his career spanned over two decades he's been recognized as one of the premier golf instructors and coaches in the world um golf digest. currently the yeah golf digest named him from 2017 to 2020 uh i think top one of the best teachers in new york top 50 U.S. kids golf master teacher. He does a lot of juniors, but adults as well. And he's currently the director of instruction at Harbor Links Golf Course in New York. Heard of it? It's great. I mean, this guy is, uh, I, I really can't say of all the interviews we've done, we probably had as much fun on this one. Like it was a really good balance of really deep, good conversations about, you know, what he learns about teaching Juniors that actually adults could benefit and learn from, while also a lot of attitude, a lot of mental game stuff, as well as swing stuff. He helps me with my game towards the end.
2: Yeah. Wow, a little playing, little playing lessons virtual, uh, with yeah. the pros there. No, I think you're right, Ev. I mean, what's so fun talking to all these different pros, teaching pros, PGA tour instructors, is they all have their own theme and vibe, right? Sometimes mm. we get into the system, sometimes we get into just working harder than everybody else mentality. And this was different because one, he really has this huge junior program. We've never really talked with somebody who was so focused on juniors, Mm -hmm. but the correlations between junior players and adult players. um, But we talked a lot about attitude, right? We talked a lot about, you know, making that hour lesson beneficial to each individual player. Right. How he kind of sparks creativity from his players, but he's a guy that you know is just looking, I think, to get the best out of you personally, which ultimately helps your game, right? He's yep. he's very individual, you know, not a one size fits all like some teachers are. Would you agree? Yep.
1: No, totally. No, I'm I'm excited for you guys to listen to this. I think all of you will definitely find at least one nugget that you'll probably take with you to the course or your living room if it's super cold. Uh, yeah, or if it's after raining. You're listening, so. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. We can't express enough how much we appreciate your messages, your comments. Um, it means yeah. a lot to hear that so cool. You know we're helping your game and your mindsets and your attitudes and your life. Um, that's what it's all about. And so thank you again for always listening. If you're not subscribed, please give us a subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes every Sunday. And give us a review. We want to tweet, hear from you.
2: Tweet us. I'm going to tweet
1: I say, it, I say this every time <laughs> every time all right no, guys man,
2: keep enjoying the ride That's yeah enjoy it, right? the ride
1: keep chugging and uh stay well out there we'll see you next week see you guys okay. and we're back with james hong james welcome to the show how you doing on this chilly doing, january morning yeah.
0: <laughs> doing pretty good thank you for having me chilly What's chilly up, for james? us
1: not chilly for, for you. you guys yeah but it's <laughs> yeah. raining here in la as we were talking off air Okay, (laughs) (laughs) James, so uh, I know a lot of interviews probably don't start out this way. They probably jump right into a question. I actually want to tell a quick story, and I want to get your take on it, because I actually think it's really relevant to the things we're going to talk about today. Um, I actually just saw a clip um, from an interview with Kobe Bryant, and he talked about how when he first came into the NBA, um, he made... I think it was in either a practice or a game. I actually forget. But he took th- five straight shots at the free throw line, and they were five air balls. And he said it would, it would have been really easy as a rookie for him to be like, shit, I don't belong here. I came out of high school. What am I thinking? Maybe, maybe I'm not as good as I thought. But his mind didn't go to ego and self-sabotage. It actually went to, okay, that's interesting. Let's unpack this. Every shot was online. It was just a little short. So, why is that? And then he started to unpack and he realized, oh, well, in high school, you play one game a week, right, for 35 minutes. And in the NBA, I'm playing game after game after game, night after night, more minutes, more games. So, my legs are dead, right? And so, he used that as a lesson to focus on his lower body and conditioning. And for the next season, he used that to fuel his success. And I think it's really relevant to golf, especially juniors, um, where a lot of people make a bad shot. And it's immediately, oh, I suck. I can't believe I didn't do this. Instead of using it as information to get better and inform you know, your, your path forward. So I just wanted to get your take because we've heard you speak before and we know how important – this type of stuff is to improvement.
0: Oh yeah, I, th- I think that's a, that's a great example there of uh, what a lot of people don't do. You're absolutely right. And especially when they're at the driving range, you could see it. They hit a ball and the ball's not even halfway out, not even at its apex. And they're turning around, they're grabbing another ball. And so there's no sense of getting of watching the shot, getting feedback and stuff like that, or even thinking about what whatever it is they're trying to do, did they do it? And, you know, a lot of times this is just like a pass fail thing. I either hit a good shot or I didn't instead of, did I do what I was supposed to do regardless of if the result turned out fine. And so, you know, that, you know, I've got to look for that video and I can send it to you after this. Yeah. That's actually a great example. And yeah, I wish more people would do that. And, and that's something that I try to get across. I mean, I, I've done it where, like I said, I'll see a person, they'll hit a ball. Maybe me look down, they're grabbing another ball. I'll walk right in there and I'll stand on top of the ball. And basically, obviously the implication is, is if you're going to swing that club, you're hitting me. <laughs> so don't hit me. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll start asking them questions. Like, what'd you see there? What'd you? And, or even I'll just start off with like, what were you trying to do? What, what was that single thing that you were trying to do? And they'll tell me, or they might even just say, "Oh no," especially kidding. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I I, that's when I'll I'll usually say one of two things. I'll either say, well, if you didn't know, then that was just a wasted 30 seconds right there. Or or I'll say you do know. Because if you didn't if you didn't know, you wouldn't have done what you just did if you didn't know. Because sometimes, especially juniors, they don't want to search. They don't want to be Sherlock Holmes. They don't want to be a detective and kind of deduce what was going on. And so, yeah, I, I, again, that's a great example. So,
2: yeah, no, but, no, It's James, it, it, it's really interesting. My my coach growing up used to say when we, you know, play, you know, have a bad round. So I grew up playing. I played in college and played as a junior. and He'd say, hey, that round didn't define you. That shot didn't define you, but it did reveal you. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right? right. I'm sure I'm sure you speak to your. But I think that that's 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 important. Right. Cause step back, like, what was this, what's, what's the story? What's, what's the backstory here? Right. Right. I, I mean, I think,
0: you know, not just with juniors, but with adults, it's, it's like, I'll, I'll ask the adult, if you had, especially someone who's high up and wherever they're working, it's like if you had someone underneath you treating their position or their job, the way you're treating this, what would you do to them? It's like, right. you'd either send them back to retraining or you'd sit them down, have a discussion with them. Or basically they'd be out the door. Yeah. And so it's it's like if you're looking for improvement in your game, it's it's like what would you expect one of your employees to do in that same scenario and, and oh. do it yourself?
3: For, it's for sure. funny,
1: Matt. Matt, I think I forget if it was uh, if it was Sean Foley or or another coach we've had on, but I think someone has said that before where someone was like, if you treated your golf or if people treated business like they treated their golf they would be out on the street with a cup asking for spare change
0: absolutely it, without a doubt uh, it's it's sometimes what happens is is they don't want to look within themselves they just see everything else and they'll will make judgments and I'm guilty of that but then when it comes to their own game it's like it's almost like we inherently treat ourselves as the exception to the rule
3: mm-hmm.
0: well it's okay for me to slack off but how dare you do that so Yeah, I think I think part of my job, part of an instructor's job is to step in and say, first of all, what is it you're looking for? Are you just looking to have fun? Well, even even something like, well, I'm not really worried about score. I just want to enjoy myself. Well, the implication then is is you're not enjoying yourself now, but you'd like to enjoy yourself. So what are the steps necessary for you to just enjoy what you're doing? Forget about the score. Right. Well. You know, maybe, maybe you got to work on your driver a little bit more. Maybe, maybe you got to stop trying to have like a, a pretty swing and you just got to let it go. And which, which happens a lot too. It's, Oh, you mean I can swing hard? <laughs> it's like, well, no shit, Sherlock. It's like, yeah. <laughs>
2: right. Well, James, like, so our motto here at the park train is enjoy the ride. And yeah. I, so that, that's our thing. And I, and we, you, we've listened to you just, you know, on in other interviews and things, and you talk about the importance of humor, um, I think it, it, a lot of people think golf is all about failure, right? because you it's one of those sports where you just never meet your expectations. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. you're failing, but people it's most view it that way. so so how do your players, how do golfers in general just learn to enjoy the ride more? Yeah, actually, like,
0: instead of telling them to avoid failure or like, oh, failure is a bad word, it's kind of like I say, you realize the game is designed around you failing, <laughs> period. It's, it's like these evil go- golf course architects. How far do people hit their driver? Uh, 200 yards? I think I'll put a fairway bunker right there then. It's, it's like, right. you know, it's the old Robin Williams joke about like, well, if the game is supposed to be easy, everything would just be a straight runway. And right. so it's enjoy the failure. The game is designed for you to fail. So expect yourself to fail and learn, like like you were talking about with Kobe Bryant, learn from that mishap, so to speak, and have a good laugh at it while you're doing it and just move on. It's, it's like it, the person that, so to speak, wins a tournament is the one that either accepted their failures better than everyone else or had fewer failures, dealt with it better. So might as well enjoy it.
1: Yeah. And James, just to give you context, um, one of the things I do full time is I teach companies about stress management and different things. And one of the things we do is we reverse engineer um, the worst case scenario. And we've all had those experiences where something really bad happens that is in our minds, the worst thing that can happen. But when you look back in hindsight, I would say nine times out of 10 people say the quote, and that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Right. But in the moment, we let ourselves get overwhelmed by it and we spiral out of control. And so the, the focus on learning instead of the fear of failure and, what, and the, like, this curiosity and wonder, I wonder what this can teach me. I wonder how I can grow from this. Isn't it, it sounds subtle and it sounds cliche, but it is such a different way to live and play golf, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you have to. And like you said, in the moment, you think your world is collapsing, the world's going to come to the, come to an end, uh, but you have to have some sort of ability to kind of take that moment, see what happened and what did I do there? How can I avoid that? Or, you know, maybe it wasn't as bad as you thought it was. Like, for you know, I, I'll give you an, a golf example is, is, all right, well, I hooked the ball into the left bunker. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to double bogey the hole and I'm going to lose the club championship by one well maybe what you did was is you were you maybe that's your shot maybe you always play that shot and what you did was is you aimed at that left pin 10 feet away from the edge of the bunker right what were you doing why didn't you aim more Mm -hmm. to the right and then that shot that you thought was so disastrous actually turned out to win you the championship or something like that but yeah just looking back in hindsight it's that's so important i I I know a lot of times like like with the Scott Fawcett, the decade stuff, the the shotgun pattern. One of the things I try to tell all, all level of players, but I'll I'll use specifically competitive juniors is look at what your pattern is and how can you use that to your advantage instead of your disadvantage so that your worst case scenario, your worst shot still ends up to be an acceptable shot or an acceptable miss Mm -hmm. and vice versa. I mean, I've had kids where it's like they hit a perfect shot. They hit it dead straight and it ended up in the water. Well, why did you, why did that happen? You don't want to be, um, you want to be rewarded for that as well. But right. what always happens is, it's like I was talking about the bunker shot is they hit that shot and immediately everyone panics. What did I do there? Oh my God, I hit such a bad shot. And then they try to tinker and fix it while they're playing. <laughs> so those are usually the players that saying, James, you know what? I had a good stretch of six holes and all of a sudden I fell apart why'd you fall apart? And that's, and when you look at it, you reverse engineer, It's like, well, I hooked the ball into the bunker. Well, is that part of your pattern? Mm -hmm. Because if it's part of your pattern, maybe you shouldn't have been trying to fix it because you should have been already planning for that possibility to happen anyway. And it goes back to what I was saying. Maybe you were supposed to aim more right. So don't ticker. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, yeah. I'm not happy with that shot, but you know what? That is one of the shots that I tend to hit. So, I'll fix it later on the range, but right now that's okay. And
3: yeah, it's,
1: just, and so, just playing it. it's so funny. You say that James, literally yesterday, I was playing at a nine hole, uh, just a little par three in, in Los Angeles and this guy matched up with us and I'm not kidding. Every shot he, he pulls it left and yells, get right, get right. Yeah. And I joked with him. I said, Joe, I go, Joe, you are, you have the most consistent miss <laughs> I have ever yeah. seen. Just a 10 yard pull every time. But the funny thing was, you know, you could tell he hasn't been playing too long, but he was upset about that every time versus to your point, James, if he accepted his pattern, he's actually incredibly consistent, but he it's just amazing. wasn't happy with his inconsistency. Yeah. He wasn't, leveraging his inconsistency or it's it really is a consistency
2: yeah wait till he gets to that two-way miss then we got
1: yeah right. that's that, and
2: that's the
0: tinkering that i was talking about it's like like you're talking about this guy consistently hits the ball to the left he's upset about it and he's telling this ball to get right well, what he's if he's kind of thinking about it he's going to like oh maybe my face was closed let me open up the face now all of a sudden you're bringing that two-way miss into play i i i teach this one person who comes in every week and she is like a freaking bullseye with her with her irons but they're all within eight to 13 yards i mean i could see it eight to 13 yards left of center line and just i keep pulling it i keep pulling it and i'm standing there going and so when we're indoors i literally just take the the uh the simulator and and just quietly line her up 13 yards to the right and then she doesn't know i'm doing it and then she all of a sudden all of her balls are landing right there where she was. Oh, it's fixed now. And I'm like, <laughs> it's not, it's yeah, it's fixed. Right. We didn't fix your swing. Right. We fixed how you see things. And, mm-hmm. and it took, it took her probably a good three years to finally get that to sink in.
1: Wow. I mean, you said, so, James, teaching means inspiring. Yeah. Right. I'd love to hear about that. Cause I think a lot of people, uh, You know, I I, I think about this a lot. I think we call things cliches, which just means that we hear them a lot, which then means we don't really hear them. And a lot of times cliches have more truth than anything, but they don't sink in. And so this quote really struck me because really teaching and communications and learning is just saying things in a different way until they connect. So I'm yeah. curious how you teach to inspire and maybe how people can learn from that.
0: Yeah, I think I think like we were just talking about with failure. This game, I think more than anything else I can think of, makes us feel about makes us feel worse about ourselves than anything else we do. Yeah. It's like if we went out on the basketball court and didn't know how to play basketball, we just threw out some basketballs and started trying to figure it out and we kept missing shots, airballing like Kobe, it's like we'd all be giggling, we'd be making fun of each other, we'd be laughing. It's like, oh man, you suck. <laughs> but we keep trying. We just keep doing it. We think 5 minutes after learning how to hold a golf club, we should be hitting the ball as good as Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas combined. And 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 we swing and miss or we hit it fat or something like that, and we're throwing the club thinking, man, I suck. I hate this. So, it's kind of taking those situations and making the person just feel better about it. Like with kids, when they hear, when they hear the term teacher, they think of you as, your, as their school teacher. So they don't have a division there. So when they're in their lesson, especially when they meet me for the first time and I ask a question, they're automatically thinking, what does the teacher want me to say? What is the right answer? What, what, what am mm-hmm. I supposed to say? Yeah. Or if, it was, if it's a, a subsequent lesson, oh, my God, I forgot what he said last week. Oh, my goodness, I forgot. I'm in trouble. And what I keep telling kids, so I give stories. I give lines where it's like, hey, I'm not your math teacher. I don't have a red pen in my hand, and this is not your report card. And I'm not putting, this is not your essay, and I'm putting red marks all over it and saying, come see me after class. Uh, and and just letting them realize it's, it, it's like, hey, like, like we were talking about with Kobe, it's like, see what happened. Hey, what do you think happened there? What were you trying to do? And then, and then sometimes what it is, is just simply showing them that, you know, you did everything you were supposed to do there. You did it great. It, you just didn't hit a good shot. That's okay. Mm -hmm. And the more we're doing that, the more we're doing, the more they start to kind of realize, oh, all right. So I shouldn't be afraid that I hit it over the green. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we're working on wedges and they hit a shot and they hit it like 40 feet short of the, of the hole. And they're looking, they're, oh, they're looking down at the ground and they think, what do you think of your swing there? It was bad. Why do you think it was bad? Well, cause the ball's not near the hole. It's like, you made a great swing. In fact, it's perfect. Just didn't match the distance. So what do you think you have to do with that perfect swing that you just took to match this distance? And they kind of go like, Oh, you mean just take that swing and and hit it harder or hit it further or make a bigger, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you just try and do it again with a bigger swing? Right. And just constantly talking about that. I mean, one of the things that that I've been talking a lot lately with students is what I call too much chocolate. And what it is, is they hit a shot and let's say it goes left. Where do you think the very next one is going to go? It's going to go right.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And whenever that happens, of course, what is people, what do people do? Like, oh, that's just as bad as the other one. And I said, no, that's too much chocolate. And they look at me like, what do you mean? I said, you ever go to a nice restaurant? And you know, they have like the best chocolate sundays in the world. You have a nice meal at the end of the, the meal. The waiter comes out. What do you, what would you like? Oh, I want your chocolate sundae. I heard it's amazing. Okay. Comes out. Waiter goes, how's this? How's the sundae? It's really good, but there's not enough. You didn't give me a lot of chocolate there. There's only a little bit of chocolate. Oh, okay. Sorry, sir. Comes out, dumps a gallon of chocolate on the, on the Sunday. Oh my goodness, sir. I'm so sorry. I gave you too much. No, no, no. There's no such thing as too much chocolate. Right. Give me more. I love chocolate. Give me chocolate. Right. So I always tell them no, too much chocolate. You just overcorrected. You did the right thing. You just did it too much. Hmm. So Sometimes it's those kind of things they they kind of get into it and they're like, oh, okay, cool. So I'm not I'm not being judged here. I'm not being graded here, right? Let's get to it. Yeah. So hopefully that's
2: inspiring in in itself. For sure, James. We want to we, we want to dig in here a little bit, but before we do, tell the listeners a little bit about how your 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 teaching school or your program came together in Port Washington, New York, and maybe some of your core principles. I think oftentimes listeners and, and folks like us are always wondering, do you have a system um, or or do you have a set of principles and just some, some of your experience in that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like my, my reputation is, is through junior golf, but I give, I give lessons to adults as well. So it, what's funny is, it's like a lot of what we do in the junior programs, I also do with adults. So it goes across the board, player development. And so what it is, is just basically focusing on the process. What is it you're trying to do, right? And then let's see what the outcome is. And then we can, we can move from there. And so if you're talking about a system, it's, yeah, what it, it's simply asking yourself questions, opening your eyes, and, and being observant with what's going on. And I think in this day and age, uh, what we see is, is people are just looking for the latest app that solves the problem for them. <laughs> and so they're not, they don't know how to solve the issue. And so that's why one of the first mm. things I tell students when they meet me is, is, I'm asking you a lot of questions and I'm asking you to pay attention to what's going on. Do you have to be perfect? Absolutely not. And so that's really it in a nutshell is, is like, okay, because one person may need to work on one thing and another person may need to work on something that's completely different. So you can't necessarily fit them into a cookie cutter approach. And and so, yeah, so there is a little bit of kind of on the fly, so to speak, compromising sure. what's going on. But yeah, basically it's just letting the person know that you you have to pay attention to what's going on, but at the same time, you're going to be better for it. And and especially with kids, it's telling them, you know what? It's just golf. You're learning about other things. And I'll often say that to them. It's like, I really don't care if you come up to me tomorrow and say I quit golf. But if you're learning, if you're taking some of the lessons that you're learning here and applying it to other things that you're doing in, in your life, to school, and eventually when you get a job, if you're doing it there, how you treat other people, right? That that then I've done my job. Not to make you into like the best Division One college player in the world.
2: Yeah, that's interesting, James. I, I, so I started taking lessons probably at six years old, and you know, like I said, played competitively at a pretty high level. And I'm 32 now, and and I go onto a driving range and I watch teachers with juniors. I reminisce, and I also try to think about what maybe looks different about their experience than mine. So, what are the unique Challenges maybe teaching this generation of kids compared to the last. Um, maybe there's some upsides too. But I think we, yeah the previous generation likes to always harp on the la- the latest generation. But talk us through that. You know, and 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 teaching this this group.
0: Yeah, I think I think this this latest generation, so to speak, it's the shoulder shrug. It's the I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it, right. So. What are you trying to do? I don't know. Right. And it's even like, hey, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to just get it. can you get your hands as high as you can in the backswing. I don't care where. Statue of Liberty. Then they make a swing. Um, what'd you try to do there? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. It's it's like so it's kind of getting over that. Mm. It's pressing the button and saying, Hey, listen, you you know, I'm asking you to do this. Just like, just like another teacher would, like a boss would, like your parents would, and just paying attention. So, again, like I was just saying, it's like I turn it around. Instead of trying to be that teacher who's waggling their, you know, wagging their finger at them, I'll go like, you ever notice your parents keep repeating themselves? You go, yeah. Kind of annoying, right? Yeah. What do you think is going to stop them from repeating themselves? And then they get like, listen. Yeah. <laughs> You get it now, huh? Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> and it's like, and so sometimes it's like right away, I'll say like, oh, I want to get your hands higher, Statue of Liberty. and like, what did I just say? <laughs> and I'll, do, I'll be sarcastic. Like, what did I just say? Oh, get my hands higher. <laughs> hey, great job. There you go. And then they, they get it. They, they, that picks them up right away. And like, hey, what'd you do there? I tried to get my hands higher. What do you think you did? I well, was okay. And then, you know, it's like a snowball effect. Then things start moving along. But yeah, it's the shoulder shrug. It's just constantly, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And
3: really
2: right. you know, telling that,
0: them you do know.
2: It's but that balance of tough love, right? When, you know, when to bring it out, when not to bring it out. Obviously, yeah. you hear about this generation. And we've heard this from other teachers too talk about it, it's, a, it's a challenge. There's sensitivity issues and, and, you know, you can make the argument for good, bad and different on all, on all these approaches. But but yeah, I think we hear this a lot with this how to navigate and then social media with these kids lives is, you know, is something we've talked about with other other folks as well. And that's just,
0: you know, I, I think part of it, too, is a fear of success or fear of mistakes. And so what happens a lot of times these kids are saying I'm not even talking about serious golfers, just any any golfer is. They don't want to take, they don't want to make that first step into actually diving into having to make a decision and then being told it was wrong, that that was, oh, no, that's not it. So they just would rather be in their safety zone and go like, I don't know. And so, you know, for me, I think where I'm lucky and, and, you know, a lot of other teachers, we, they, I get kidded around a lot about it and I bring it on myself is I'm not a big guy. I'm not tall. I'm like maybe five foot six if I'm standing erect. So I don't have that imposing figure. And so when I talk to someone, it might be I'm actually looking up at them when I say something like that. Sure. Um, but also with smaller kids, I get down on one knee and I talk to them that way so that they realize that it's I'm not some imposing figure looking down at them. Right. And, and that I'm looking up at them. And, and I've had kids break down in front of me. They start crying. And and sometimes I've I've actually pulled that out of them on purpose. And a lot of times I've done it with their parents there so that they could see what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a release valve because sometimes they, they feel that pressure so much that just opening up that faucet and letting them release it, they're like, oh, OK, so I don't have to be perfect in this world. OK, let's go from here.
1: Yeah. What is that? I mean, and this term, you can answer, too. I've, I've actually always been very interested about this where, you know, I grew up in St. Louis. And my dad was the classic, super supportive, loving dad that if I asked if something broke on my bike, let's say the chain came off, right? And I'm like nine, 10 years old. And I go, dad, can you, you know, fix my bike? He'd say, all right, we'll come over and watch me fix it. Right. Because the next time you're going to fix it. And I go, no, just fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I didn't want to know how. But I'm curious, what that? What is that about adolescence, where we don't want to know? You know, the the inquisitive nature is less than when it, it's like the joke when people say, "I wish I would have gone to school when I was 30." You yeah. know, when I actually wanted to learn things, versus when you're a kid, that's the last thing you want to do.
0: I think I think part of it, obviously, human nature is, is we're always looking for the easiest way to do things,
1: yeah. and so. With kids, it's like, why
0: bother? Why do I have to do that when you can do it for me? Yeah. Or, like I said, we can find an app that figures it out, Google it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, but I think part of it too is uh, if you really inherently love something, you just want to take it apart. So, for instance, you're using the example of fixing your bike chain. There isn't any kind of spark there. There isn't like, I really want to learn how to fix it. But if you're fascinated by watching how the gears work and like, gee, I wonder how all of, what are the machinations of all of this stuff going on? That in itself might suddenly be like, yeah, you know what, dad, let me see that. And Or what you do is, is you're the one that broke the chain because you took your bike apart to see how right. it works. And now you're, now your dad's upset at you because you took it apart. Or maybe your dad's seeing that and going like, okay, now that you took it apart, can you remember how to put it back together? hmm and, and I think once that's part of us where we're trying to see if we can create that spark in the person to not mind being on the putting green and figuring out how do, how do I how do I get this ball to stop where I want it to stop? And right. And, and again, like I said earlier, it's like it's, it isn't just about golf. It's like, can you undertake that with anything you do in your life?
2: Right. Well, absolutely. And, I, and let's talk about how you take your junior players out in the cold and the rain. Remember Evan, Los Angeles. This is foreign to him, even though he grew up in the Midwest. (laughs) He doesn't remember this. But it's about creating an environment to make them tougher, right? As opposed to you just yet, you know, whether yelling or you, you know, or using word choices like, you know, when I was growing up practicing in the Upper Midwest here in Chicago in the rain, you know, or just in bad weather, it, it taught me how to prepare and it taught yeah. me how to be patient. Right? So even but let's take the average joe who you know 40 years old who gets over to the driving range, right? Well, go practice on a windy yeah. day. Right? Wants yeah. to be you know learn how to you know use different tempos. So what is it about that environment that that, that is so key especially when these kids want to be great players, right? What is this the hard, you know those harder harder days look like? With those with those kids.
0: Well, I think also it's I think what is key to that is that you've already created an environment that's welcoming, that they love being there. I mean, basically you can substitute the golf course for a playground. And it could be 35 degrees out, and the kids still want to go to the playground. They they want to go like, oh, but there's snow on the ground. Oh, that's okay. I want to go, I want to go to the monkey bars or something like that. So it's the environment that you're creating for them. So at the golf course, if they feel like, yeah, I don't care that it's 40 degrees outside, I want to go there. Right. That's just like the playground. So I think part of it is, is can you, as the instructor, as the coach have that in place or build that wherever you are. Right. And so it's not going to be, because our human nature, like I said, it's, if it's really cold out, I'll find an excuse not to go. Hmm. So whatever, and whatever you've created, has to override that. Yeah. It is kind of cold out today, but man, I, I, right. James said we were going to do this today on the golf course. So yeah, I want to go, I want to go. And, and so when parents are telling me that that's when I know I'm doing my job really well. One
1: right. thing I heard that you do James is actually similar to my high school golf coach where he made practice so fun. Like we would have these, um, we call, he called them funky par three tournaments, I've never talked about it on this show before where, you know, and I think you talked about something similar on another interview where, you know, hole one, 130 yards, you got to tee off with a driver. Hole two, you got to tee off from a bunker. Hole three, you can't use a wedge and all of these things. And looking back, that was really smart because if on days we didn't do that, you just kind of like go into autopilot and you play nine holes and you're not really getting better. It, it, it's fun to be out there if you have friends on the team and play. But it's that kind of stuff, you know, that can make short game practice fun and can make other things fun. And honestly, just the mindset of treating the golf course like your playground is kind of invigorating. I've never really thought about it yeah. until now, but it's kind of fun thinking about going to the course as your playground.
0: It's, you know, we, we've become so score oriented. And especially for the competitive juniors, they grade themselves on their score. They, like you said earlier, it's, it's like you, it doesn't reflect who you are. And you have to realize that the golf course is your lab. It's your, that's where you're doing your experiments. And it's, it's, it's like you're sitting at home at night, you're lying in bed, and you're thinking about what was I ha- why, why couldn't I hit that shot? Oh, you know what? Maybe it was this. And then thinking, you know what, tomorrow when we go out there again, I'm going to try that and see if it works. And you know what, if it doesn't work, okay, that's okay. I'll just try and find another solution for it. Mm-hmm. Versus standing on the first tee and going, I have to make par here because it's, it's like, I don't care. And I tell them all the time. It's like, I don't care if you triple, quadruple bogey this hole. It's it's like, what are you trying to do? What are you working on? Or it's it, are you having fun on this hole? And one yeah. of the things I started doing was you're not allowed to hit the fairway on your tee shot. And, and what was funny about it is, of course, the kids are looking at me like, what? what? What do you mean? It's like, you hit the fairway with your tee shot, it's a two-shot penalty. And what was happening was, is, I, is so they would aim at a bunker and they'd hit it in the bunker and you're human, you're so conditioned, they slam their club down. Why are you slamming your club down? I'm in the bunker. And I'm looking at them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where number one, what's the rule? Oh yeah, you're not allowed to hit the fairway. Okay, good. Number two, where were you aiming? At the bunker. Where did you hit the ball? <laughs> and what is that telling you? Yeah. And then light ball goes. Oh, I'm really I'm I'm accurate. Yeah. Hey, thank mm-hmm. you. Right. And that kind of tone, that sarcasm, that sarcasm yeah. I'm using. That's what I mean. It's like not shaking my finger at them like you did bad it's like hey you get it now is the hamster moving now and and stuff like that and they're like oh and then yeah. you get the other kids who are like they still hit the fairway and they they look at me like I, I i'm sorry i can't help it i it just doesn't make sense to me and and it's all win win because then i'd say to them see you're so worried about not hitting the fairway when you play in a tournament now i'm telling you not to hit the fairway is okay and you're like no i got to hit the fairway so guess what? The pressure's off on you, bud. It's like, yeah. they, they go like, Oh yeah. my God, it was so easy. And so yeah. they,
1: it's less pressure. It's kind of the secret of the par train. Most people think you need to be on the par train to enjoy the ride, but actually yeah. you enjoy the ride. And then the par train opens its doors and you walk right on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was thinking about
0: something similar this morning about what I was like, you know, the par train, it's like, okay. Yeah. We got to turn the party train into the birdie train, into the eagle train, into you know, or not the par train, but the party train. <laughs> yeah. <Right>. yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> now it, it it's interesting too, and James, to hear you talk about your players. Look, I'm always curious. Um, right now, junior players and adult players are obsessed with hitting the golf ball far, and and for good reason too. I mean, I, I think it's in you know, you. I think you probably say you got to teach your junior players how to hit it far right and, and we'll figure it out how to hit it straight but when you're giving lessons w- with these kids and you see these kids that are really developing well when do you implement how to hit a knockdown or how, how do you you know start thinking about creativity around the greens and chipping with different clubs and hey I've got I'm gonna I got one chip and I'm gonna hit three different shots to that pin and and getting them excited about you know we you know the areas of the game that at the in the end of the day are going to lower your scores, but it's a balance, right? Because yeah, we want to hit it far. It's I.
0: There's so many different ways to attack that, and like one, a couple examples. One way is we might be doing something completely different, and we're we're you know whether it's with one one kid or a bunch of kids, we're working on something. We're working on something, and out of nowhere, one kid hits a low one, and so they think they made a mistake and i see that and i'll just say like oh hey ethan what were you trying to do there and it's like i was trying to i'm like no 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 perfect knockdown that's a perfect five iron knockdown yeah and and at that point point i could say can you do that again whatever you just did, can you try and do it again or i might say remember that because in about 10 minutes we're going to be doing that. And that kid now, all of a sudden, that fear of making a mistake disappears. Like, like okay, all right. Mm-hmm. like, now they can't wait. Right. And so they're really making a concerted effort to remember what it is they just did. And, you know, plus it's already logged in their memory. That thing that they thought was a mistake was actually a good shot. Now, that's mm-hmm. one way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way is, okay, so we're going to work on knockdowns today. And I'll put like a little magnet thing on the club face with a ball attached to it, right? And so and I'll and I'll have the, the the kids go like all right so this is what we normally do. You know, we want to hit a knockdown. What's a knockdown? And then they go into definitions like, all right, so we're trying to lower it. What what do I have to do to this club to make this ball go lower? And they go like, well, you gotta do this. Okay. And then I give it to each one of the kids. It's like make it lower. And they go like, okay. And I said, now, when you're hitting balls for the next 10 minutes, five minutes, can you figure out a way to do it? And then let's see what each of you come up with, right? And then, so they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure it out. And, and again, same thing I'll tell them like, listen if the ball is skipping on the ground, that's okay. That's too much chocolate, right? You just maybe overdid it. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes what they're trying to do is they're trying to do it with like a hybrid and they can't get it even like six inches off the ground. And again, that's an opportunity to teach them about something else. It's like, yeah, maybe the shot shouldn't be hit with that club, right? But there's always so many, so many opportunities. And so what you, for the coach, the, the creative signal, the creative light always has to be on. Mm-hmm. You have to react to moments. That's what I was saying earlier. It's like you see an opportunity right there. You got to jump on that and, and just say, and like I was saying, no, no, no. That wasn't a bad shot. Remember that because we're going to be hitting shots like that in, in a minute and, and, and just constantly using it to your advantage
2: that's great it's just, it's just figure it out too right hit it low okay pretty good lower well i don't know just, we got to figure it out right like it just and then yeah. you're pushing right your players in a way that has that creative touch so to speak is that fair yeah, yeah. And, and and like we were talking about being on the
0: course it's sometimes i'll we will be out there with the kids and the kid hits a ball and it's like 40 yards short of the green and you know just the, 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 the worm burner and instead of going up there and going, like, what were you, t- what was that? How could you miss the green? And it's like, hey, Ryan, what were you trying to do there? Oh, I was trying to see if I can hit like that five iron knockdown, you know, that I saw Scott Stallings do on a video and like blah, that. Blah, blah. Oh, okay. What, what happened? Oh, I just got it a little bit too much and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Cool. No problem. What are you going to do next? Well, I'm going to try and hit that, I'm going to try and hit that, that, that pitch shot onto the green and see if I can, if I can, like, one putt afterwards. Okay. Cool. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not, you know, yeah. Yeah. spanking them for a mistake. I'm like, okay, keep up with the creativity. Let's see what happens.
1: But that dialogue right there, and you can probably tell by our questions, James. But we focused a lot on the mental game on this show. Uh, yeah. That dialogue, that attitude, that energy, right? You can just feel the energy in that discussion. It's very light. It's very, yeah. Find it and hit it again. It's it's very free. And that is what people need to play with more. I'm sure you have lessons. We were talking off air sermon. And I were before you came on. i I know you teach you're known for teaching juniors, but what I'm in, most interested in is I bet you there are lessons that you have from teaching juniors that would help seniors learn how to play more like a kid again. Oh yeah. Versus teaching juniors how to play well, right?
3: Yeah,
0: I think. I mean, one of the best things that happened to me this past year was this This gentleman came to me, uh, an older gentleman, and he was talking, you know, like, I'm losing distance and everything like that. And I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not enjoying the game anymore. So I gave him a one-hour lesson. And at the end of it, he was like, I had so much fun. And I was like, great. That's awesome. That's what we're supposed to do. And then he he messages me later and he says... I want you to give my wife a lesson because she's really distraught about her game. She wants to quit, and I want her to enjoy the hour with you, and and really have some fun. and And I was like, oh wow, that that really got to me. and And I was like, my pleasure. And then she showed up, and just a wonderful woman. And we ended up spending like two hours. I said, you know, the first hour was a gift from your husband. The second hour is a gift from me. And we just had some fun. She was she was giggling like a little school girl. She's like, oh my like, that's all I had to do and everything. And we even had fun at her husband's expense. I was like, I bet you Ralph was telling you to do this, right? Oh, you know, he's always telling me what to do. And I was like, all right, all right. I got that covered, ma'am. Don't worry. I'll tell your husband, to back off. And she's like, oh, and, and it was just a lot of fun. And she sent me a nice note afterwards. It, and so it's just stuff like that. That's, that's what you're trying to do. James, I have no idea how far she hit the ball, right?
1: There is nothing more fun, I think, than seeing someone in a lesson just start laughing because they did yeah. something that felt so easy. We have a video of Surmac and I, I took a train up to Chicago before a member guest from St. Louis. And he gave me a short game lesson because Suramac so mass masterful around the greens. And we have a video of him teaching me how to ship and pitch the ball without I was using, I was trying to like mimic my swing. I was using way too much of my body. And, uh, I just hit this perfect little pitch pitching wedge runner. And I just started laughing because that's the stuff that's so awesome. It's so, it's such a hard game yet. A lot of things are so simple.
0: You know what? It's that. And it's also the guy who comes in for the lesson or the woman who's very, you know, very Mm -hmm. tight lipped and very, very serious. And then they hit a shot and they go like, Oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) And then they go, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry.
2: No, no, no. Well, it, James, it's amazing what we actually, for as hard as golf is, the hardest sport, what we're actually capable of if we can unlock some sort of new way of thinking or right approach. I think for Av, we were chipping, and I'm like, hey, you know, you can use your hands and your arms when you chip. You know, you can have yeah. a little fun with this, and, you know, you don't have to use your kind of swing mechanics, like, but you got to know what the lie is the lie is going to tell the story right and then everything kind of starts there but and you like you start laughing at because you're like mm. well this has been in me for years right like i mean yeah. i can but what that's those are the magic moments right and so, talk about it, as a teacher that's that's the fun stuff right you
0: know oh yeah it's it's like you live for those kind of moments and i think that's what what also drives you to be better as a teacher is you want more of those moments it's it's like mm. you don't want one moment in a lesson you want 50 moments you want one moment like that in every minute that you teach and so it's always like how can i how can i do this how can i make this better and sometimes what happens is you stumble on something and and you just made one person so happy and they're better and you're like i wonder if that'll work with the next person and then they're happy mm-hmm. oh i wonder if that'll work with the next person and they're happy so now you're starting to develop a little bit of a trend and so now you're just trying to find out who's going to be the exception to the rule.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> oh, it didn't work with this person. Okay. And then, well, why didn't it work with this person? And, and that's the constant search for kind of, you, you were asking me earlier about what's my system is like, well, that's, that's my system is categorizing things. And yeah, this will work for this type of player. This will work for this type of player, et cetera, and moving down the line. But yeah, it's, it's looking for those moments. and And what I found is, through my experiences, those moments happen more often when you are, again, keeping things really simple, Mm -hmm. and also really sympathetic, even empathetic to the other person, and understanding what kind of language or visual language is going to click with that person. So, you know, if the person's a little bit more visually oriented, give them something that'll visually click with them right? Maybe you need to do more demonstrations and they'll get it versus someone. I, I, I always use the example of this woman that I taught years ago. She came in for a couple lessons and I just told her, I want you to move your hands this way. And she, we started doing it. And then she had this big, she had this little grin on her face. And so I knew what, what it was moving in this direction. Anyways, so it's like, what does that feel like to you? And that's why she was smiling. And she goes, feels like I'm spreading peanut butter on bread. <laughs> wasn't me talking about external rotation, flexion of the wrist, extension of the, blah, 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 like, you know, like Palmer. No, it was like, spread the peanut butter, spread the peanut butter. And then sometimes it'd be the other hand and it'd be like, pretend the peanut butter is on the back of the hand and spread the peanut with the peanut butter with the back of the hand. She's like, and she's like, and she like, and I remember to this day where she's like, I can't believe peanut butter is the focus of my lesson.
2: Right. That's all we talk about. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, that's
0: all we talk about. And, and so again, it's being observant and, and just listening to the other person.
1: So, James, let's see if we can have one of those moments right now. I love being <laughs> a selfish interviewer. <laughs> we need to you about coming. my own game. So let me give you some context, James. Uh, I played baseball my whole life. And I've been as low as a five. I've ballooned up to an eight right now. But my biggest thing, and I think a lot of people struggle with this, is... Obviously, everyone's going to say they want to be more consistent, right? But for me, it's it's frustrating to go from shooting mid-70s consistently to high 80s, hitting it all over the face, and having a two-way miss. I mean, it's, you can't play golf that way. So for me, I'm a crazy arm swinger because of my background with baseball. My hips know how to move, but I don't really rotate well. So I've been working for over like probably two years now, I went to George Gankus a couple of times. I couldn't figure out how to, I couldn't figure out how to feel it. I couldn't figure out how to implement it. Like it makes sense when I'm practicing it without a club in the mirror, but when I have a club in that split second, I can't do it. So I think what I'm trying to understand that I think will help a lot of people is I know the flaws in my swing. And sometimes it's really challenging to understand what to focus on first because if i'm focusing on a backswing thought and my rotation with my left hip clearing and and transferring my weight it's too much stuff so yeah. like i open my hips I'll, I'll take you through them i open my hips too much in the backswing my right elbow gets flared at the top i have a long army swing that has a tendency to go a bit over over the line and i don't have a lot of rotation. And so I have really inconsistent ball striking that can lead to a two way miss, especially with the driver. And so then I think to myself, I'm going to the range and I'm like, okay, should I focus on not having my hip open up as much in the backswing? Because maybe that'll help me clear more versus when it's way open. I, I don't have enough. I'm like way too open. I can't clear it. Is it my right elbow? How do you help people get understand where to start? And what will have the biggest impact? When you see so many flaws, you're not quite sure which one to fix first or focus right. on.
0: And so one thing I would probably, one of the first things I would have you do is, is I would just put a ball in front of you and say, this is the only ball you're going to hit. What mm-hmm. would happen to the ball? So either you would hit it and we would see, or, right. And I would say like, I just want you to make a swing. I'm not even giving you a target, just make a swing and let's see what happens. And for the most part, uh, the person will hit the ball, and you'll say, "Yeah, see that? That's normally what happens." And I might even ask you, like, "How that's that, that feels? Swing feel like just that's your swing? Yeah, that's my swing. Okay, and what happened to the ball? So, what do you think would happen to the ball if I just gave you that one, and you would just go up and swing and hit it? Or I might even put pressure on you, say, "This is the only shot you get. Eighteenth hole at Augusta mm-hmm. National, blah, 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 middle of the fairway, hit it." right so what what shot do you think would pop
3: up
1: i'd probably hit like a like a little baby draw
0: baby with draw with iron
1: yeah
3: so
0: now i'm going to go into baseball so you you played baseball and you played a lot of baseball and mm-hmm. that's like that's your love so to speak mm-hmm. right so were you a contact hitter or a power hitter
1: contact i was a contact. line drive gap that's hitter that's what i
0: was going to say line drive right yeah Gap hitter, right field or center field or left field?
1: Right, right center, right field. Right field. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, did you finish forward? Did you were you did you get a sense that you would hit the ball, you'd already be running to first, or did yeah. you were you on your back leg and then going for, forward?
1: Uh, probably on my back. So you'd be
0: back, hit the right, and yeah. then you would be taking your first yeah. step to first base. So, do you find any similarities in your swing when? from what I just asked you in terms of how you hit the ball.
3: Hmm.
1: I mean, there's gotta be based on my, um, I think I saw a quote. You said, there's no such thing as muscle memory, only experience. So based on my experience, then I I would assume so. Yes. But it's hard to make that connection because they feel so different. Right.
0: Because what, what we would be trying to figure out is, is are you, when you're, when you're hitting a golf ball, are you reverting to certain tendencies that were, that were in your baseball swing, or are you fighting your tendencies in your baseball swing? Right. It's not that we want to swing exactly like our baseball swing, but it's always going to be one of two extremes. Mm -hmm. It's like, so that's the case of either your base, your old baseball swing is hurting you or it's helping you. It's one or the other. Yeah. In that scenario. And that's what we'd be trying to find out. Right. So you were talking about your baseball in your baseball days. You were you were a gap hitter, right, right center, Mm -hmm. left center. Right. So what would a draw be? A draw would start to the right center field and then draw back to center field. Now, in your case, is your ball going to be a push draw or just it starts out straight and goes left?
1: Lately, it's been more of a push draw. Push. Yeah.
0: Right. So. I would take a guess that there's probably little things going on in your swing that are similar to what you were doing in your baseball days, right? So so now the question is, it's like, again, preference for teaching is those things that you were pointing out about the long backswing, the, the flying elbow, all that stuff. It's some teachers might say, no, 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 that's okay, right? Because if we try to fix them, we might be, right, trying to fix Jim Furyk, so to speak. It's like maybe that's part of what makes you good. We don't know if that's what makes you good or makes you bad, right? You're assuming that those technical Mm. aspects are what's off. So again, just spending some time together on the range and and figuring things out. But I think like what you're saying is like maybe just working a little bit on club face control. Like, like, would you say your misses are left?
1: Uh, With irons, yes. Um, With woods, no.
0: So let's we're talking about irons. When you hit a shot, have you ever had this situation happen to you where as soon as you hit the ball, you just think, oh, I flushed it. That's mm-hmm. as good as I could be. And then you look up and the ball's left. And you're like, wait a minute. That, that doesn't make sense to me. I thought I just crushed that one. That should be hitting the flagstick and it's 30 yards left. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Sometimes what happens in those situations is is that your sense of where the target is is not where it really is. And so what I would do is, is I would actually stand in front of you and tell you to set up to the ball. And then without looking up, can you now take your left hand and point to where you think the target is? Mm. And people that kind of go through what you're doing will tend to do this, is they'll set up and now point to the target and they'll go like this.
3: Mm, So I'm pointing way back
0: over there. And what happens is, is that happens to be where they're hitting the ball. And, and then I'll tell them the same thing. Now take it up to the top and without looking, where's the target? And I've actually had people, no exaggeration, go like this. They go underneath (laughs) and behind them.
3: Mm -hmm. Interesting.
0: And so I, that's the first thing I would do with you is see if where you think the target is, isn't really where the target is. And then what happens is that then I'll move your finger and you're, you're, of course you're actually going to be like, holy shit, that's really far right. Mm -hmm. yeah but where have all your balls been going how many balls have you hit that you thought you hit it really good and you look up and it's not there it's there and sometimes the simple solution is that is like all right, now that you know that the target is there and not there right let's just see you hit some balls knowing and feeling like you're hitting it over there and like I have a video maybe maybe what I'll do is I'll send it to you later of this guy and it's just like he's like oh my god it's it's like I can't believe that. Yeah. And like he's hitting it right at the flagstick every time, but he's telling me that feels so far right. Yeah. And so it was it was a simple drill. It's the old put the put the alignment stick in front and it's club face. It says, hey, hit every ball to the right of that stick. Hit every ball to the right of that stick. That's it. Nothing more.
2: Yep. Well, James, our our alignment feels different every day. Right? Every day. Our feet, right. our shoulders, our bones, however how we walk. And Every hole. <laughs> and, and every hole. And your, your alignment will shift based on what your, mind, what you, your mind's tricking you or telling you on what you see. Yeah, And we don't work hard enough at alignment. Like Absolutely and, not, right? nobody works, you can, and that's what the pros do, right? They're always working hard on their fundamentals and just ingraining that.
1: right? But on that term, I don't know, because we talk about this a lot and I find myself going to the range and not quite sure how to do it. I, the only thing that makes sense to me for, with alignment is standing to the ball and then putting it down to see where I was aimed. But even that is sometimes hard to tell, right? Because I'm looking at the alignment stick and sometimes it's not as clear, it's not clear as day to me. It's not black or white. Even yeah, that is yeah. hard to see. So right. and, that's hard for and, people to understand how to even look at alignment.
0: And, and it, that might be, just as we were saying it, that alone might be your day-to-day change. It's like, hey, you know what? My eyes see it perfectly today and tomorrow I I can't tell, boy, this looks really off. I don't, it doesn't even look like the same golf course range it's whatever. So it's, it's like everything else in golf. It's that constant adjustment and saying, Hey, you know what? Today I may not shoot 75. I might shoot 79 and it's more of a management day than anything else. And then other days you just feel like you can't miss. And you might, you're thinking like, I might even break par today. Mm -hmm. And so. There's that constant fluctuation. But like you were saying, well, if I'm practicing, what do I do? And so one of the things you can do, like what I like to do with students is have them actually line up perfectly straight to a target. But I make it very clear to them that we're lining up to that spot as reference, not as the end point. Mm -hmm. And then I want to see you hit balls. And it's, you know what, if your balls end up at that spot, so be it. But what we're also looking for, like we started this at, is like, well, if all of your balls are about 12 to 15 yards to the left of it, what we're seeing is, is that you're ten- you should be aiming 12 to 15 yards to the right and playing your shot, right? And that's what we're trying to find out when we line up straight to begin with, is what are your tendencies? So I think what one of the things that might, I don't know if it'll help you, but what, what might be happening is, is you're so target-oriented you meaning the golfer that you're, you're inherently thinking if this isn't perfect, if I haven't lined this up perfectly straight, I might mess everything up. So I got to make sure,
3: Mm
0: -hmm. right. As opposed to, all right, all right, let me just line myself up straight. And then now I'm going to hit balls and see where they all go in relation to that. So sometimes that'll help.
2: Yeah. It's so essential. Right. And, and have, you know, getting a lesson of learning how to do it. Right. I mean, it's, it's an, it's an ongoing battle with alignment, but, um, but James, we want to get you out of here, but we want to ask you this for our listeners. You know, we're you and I have bonded over our cold weather golf, right? And, <laughs> and if it's gonna rain in a couple two straight weeks in Los Angeles, going to, Evan's gonna to have to pivot a little bit. So, yeah, you know, in the winter months, I mean, what's a drill or what's a what's a mindset to think about or to work on when you're at home for, for players, you know? what, what is the winter? What is the, you know, the days you can't be out there or the months, right? What is, what is, what, what do we do then? What's important for, as yeah. we we'll get back to the season. So,
0: yeah, I think what happens is, is we, we become accustomed to thinking that it has to be hitting balls. It has to be full swings. I have to have to be at the range. And you know what? It's too cold. I don't have time to get there or I'm in my garage or in my basement and I don't have enough space to swing, let alone hit a ball. Sure. So, what your winter training should be is, is just training yourself for movement. I mean, everyone's always worried about positions in the golf swing. And, you know, you've talk, talking to countless golf instructors, there's only two positions there's the setup and there's the finish, and everything else is what's happening in between. Hmm. So, getting your body accustomed to moving a certain way, maybe working on uh, flexibility. Like one of the things I try and get a lot of adults to do is, and especially now with all of the COVID stuff going on, is that they're working from home, is maybe you're grabbing the edge of your desk or your chair and just working on hip rotations, maybe doing about five or 10 in either direction and, and, and just working on movement patterns or something like that. Or when you're working with your coach or it might be me specifically, what do you think you should be doing? And, and, and you don't have to do 137 million repetitions either. Like I, I've told people, it's like, listen, you're on a you're on a Zoom call. I want you to, to do this. 10 times in each direction, then sit back down on your call. And then another time, I might want you to just feel like you're just doing something with your arms. Mm -hmm. I just want you to do this, 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 and just that make that part of your routine. It's almost like walking to the fridge and getting something to eat. It's like, well, while you're walking, you know, can you work on doing something like this as you're walking? Mm -hmm. No one's in the house. No one's going to think you're weird or anything like that. (laughs) Right. Or standing in front of the mirror and and doing this and doing that. And like I said, like five repetitions here, 10 repetitions there, 20 repetitions here or there, and then you're done. And and foot spray powder is the best thing because you don't have to hit golf balls. You can spray that on a welcome mat and there's your golf ball. And what's great about it is you can put two dots down. That's the gate that the club passes through. Mm -hmm. Can you pass through that gate without touching the two dots? Or you put a third dot in the middle. That's the golf ball. And what's cool about it, and maybe you draw, maybe you spray a line behind it to so be working on not hitting it fat. I like that. And then when you hit the dot, what happens is, is if you look at the club face, that spray, that dot that you just sprayed is now on the club face. It tells you where on the face you would have hit the ball, right? Cermac's so is going to be on, on Amazon
1: like right after this, buying athlete's foot spray. I know it.
0: Oh, he's got three <laughs> bottles in his bag. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, James, this was super fun. I think we would echo the same thing that that uh, your student's wife said. I think uh, this was super fun. We really enjoyed it. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, I believe everyone can find you at James Hong Golf at all of the social. Yep, that's uh, channels. It. Is there yep. anywhere else or anything else you'd like to say to to as a sign off?
0: No, I just uh, thank you guys for having me here. This was a, this was a lot of fun. It was funny when I first got the invite, I, what was it on that Monday or something? The 8th or whatever it was. Yeah. I actually thought it was that day.
1: Oh. Right. Yeah. So, we, we sent it a little bit far out.
0: I logged that day. That's funny. You know, talk about like Bill, big L on my forehead. Well,
2: hey, You build, were excited. A lot of build up for this, right? Uh.
1: Everyone's excited to hop on the train. You know, everyone, it's a, it's a good, it's a good ride.
0: That's funny. So this was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me.
1: Awesome. Well, we'd love to have you back again. Yeah. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best and uh, try and stay warm out there. All right, James?
0: Yeah, try and stay dry. I <laughs> <laughs> will. <Boo-hoo-hoo. laughs>
1: <laughs> Take care, James. See
0: ya. Take care.